0: the flex success podcast where we teach you how to be
1: less shit covering all things science relating to nutrition training recovery and more
0: who knows we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two (laughs) welcome back to the latest episode of the flex success podcast where we teach you how to be less shit as always we will be your co-hosts i'm lizzie and this
2: is dean
1: Now, if you find value in this episode, be sure to give us a like, subscribe, and drop a comment below on YouTube. Share us with your friends. Give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram, just do that by putting in at flex underscore success.
0: And while you're on Instagram, you can check out everything we offer from our eBooks to courses and programs. You can book a consultation or inquire about coaching via the link in our bio, or you can do that on our website.
1: Enjoy the episode.
0: Before we introduce our guest today, those watching on YouTube will probably see that we have rubbish video quality once again. Still, still on the last episode, we spoke about how we couldn't get our good camera to work. And now we were trying to use this app called, what is it, Dean? I ruin. I R U I N. Yeah. I ruin. I don't know. Anyways, we good, haven't. Quick
1: shout out to Strong Media on Instagram, actually, for the recommendation. Yeah. Um, that's true. I don't actually know his name.
0: I don't know. I call him uh, Young Thin Santa. Because he looks like a <laughs> man. <laughs> anyway, so video quality shit again. But look, you're not here for the video quality. You're here for the information and the inappropriate jokes. Mm. And we promise to deliver.
1: I'm blaming Portugal for this anyway. <laughs> for the because I thought we would be able to use iRuin if the Wi-Fi was working.
0: Right, and the, the Wi-Fi, wifi shit has decided
1: to die. <sighs> so we're using our phones.
0: Anyways. Holly, bring us some good news. Welcome to the podcast, Holly. (laughs) Very much. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. (laughs) We were on your podcast recently. um, We thought we would have you on because although you thought we had some cool stuff to share on yours, you have some cool stuff to share on ours. For those that don't know you, could you please give us a quick intro? Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it?
2: so my name is holly Um, i am an online physique coach as well as the head of exercise mechanics for the physique collective which is a member site with kind of experts in all kinds of realms such as you know training and nutrition and lots of different things like like optimal physique development really Um, and then as well as that i do have a full-time job so i work in clinical trials so i have a degree in genetics um, and i've gone through research from the lab to the clinic to the hospital now to industry So I've been through it all. Um, And I suppose the reason why I do all of this is just that I love to help people in various ways, whether it's through research or whether it's through, you know, helping people feel better about themselves uh, within their own bodies and and in day-to-day life. And um, I'm always trying to basically just just help people where I can and and help people to achieve the goals that they want and kind of lead them lead them to where they want to be. Mm, Cool. When you say optimal physique development,
0: you're talking about competitive athletes but you're also talking about non-competitive athletes who have really competitive or extreme goals right you're not talking about like everyday individuals that just want to get a bit leaner
2: yeah so the the website is geared more towards people who have been training and they've been you know following a certain you know dietary structure for a while and they just want to kind of take things to the next level and, and see what they can achieve by kind of elevating themselves in many different ways um from my perspective though as a as a coach I do coach a lot of physique athletes but I do like to coach people of all abilities like right from the very beginning all the way up to top level competitor um I quite enjoy the variety I quite like helping a variety of different people it's nice to um not forget what it feels like to be there at the beginning and to know you know how when you start off when you don't know anything how to lead someone into kind of developing that awareness of nutrition and training and, and how to navigate life and things like that. Because I think if you do steer away from that and you gear more towards physique development, um, you kind of lose sight of it. So it is quite good to, to have that awareness to remind yourself of what it feels like to be at the beginning. Mm.
1: I think yeah. she's taking a stab at me, Liz.
2: Because <laughs> you own me right <laughs> at the tip. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, well, that was, uh, I think um, our main point of, discussion today that we wanted to talk to you about is because you are a jack of all trades in the sense that you have a full-time job that you obviously are required to for a certain amount of hours you also coach people you have your own goals your own goals you have clients yeah. of varying abilities um, and trying to navigate how to have these fitness goals or physique goals or whatever they may be while still living a quote-unquote normal Full, life full-time job full-time yeah. job etc like how do how do people do that because
0: yeah that must be a lot because your your job, um, you need to be in the lab Monday to Friday, nine to five, right?
2: So so not anymore. So I have I have been in the labs, but at the moment I work in industry. So basically my role is I'm thankfully mainly home-based at the moment, but I do a lot of travel. So I would travel to sites all over the UK. I've had hospitals literally from Edinburgh to Plymouth to Cornwall to Blackpool to Manchester, all over the country. Um, so I've had to be able to navigate managing that and obviously the travel that comes with it with maintaining my fitness goals whether i'm on a fat loss phase or whether i'm on an improvement season phase um i have to be able to juggle the both Mm. okay
1: whereabouts are you currently
2: so i live in manchester so i'm home based from here um but i I have previously worked in ireland i've worked in university of cambridge which was my lab-based job i've worked on site in a hospital every day, which involved going to the pharmacy, going to the operating room, going to the lab, going to the office like literally all in one day. And I've done that through preps and through peak weeks leading up to shows. Um, so I've had had my fair experience of it because people always like in, in physique development realm, people refer to, you know, bodybuilders and gen pops. But I feel like I am myself a general population because I have a nine to five job and I have to navigate everything just like my clients have to do. So I don't think there's necessarily that segregation that people talk about. Mm, it's way more great
1: yeah
0: yeah definitely yeah
2: yeah so for those listening who have
0: full-time jobs that might not identify as a competitive athlete you think that you still have lots of
2: insights for them even though you are also competing because you kind of identify as both yeah I I definitely do I have like practical advice and things that I've obviously tried myself but I suppose I need to be aware that the mindset is definitely not going to be the same whereas you know when there's things that I'm willing to do because I I need to do it to attain a high level or like a very extreme goal for someone else i know they may not be willing to do that they may have other priorities um, over that so i have to kind of keep that in my head as well that you know they won't necessarily do everything that it takes because they don't have to they don't need to to reach mm. the goal that they want um, so it is kind of being aware of the mindset between it as well yeah mm.
0: for sure when we look at uh clients we call it readiness willingness is like one of the three categories of of readiness and so there's there's willingness like what are you willing to do which you've spoken about there's also somebody's confidence in their ability that they can change and that's something that a good coach can help someone develop um and then there's also knowing really what to do in the first place because if we're misguided by wrong plans like your readiness isn't isn't quite there Um, But maybe you can talk us through what what you think people should know or the lessons that you've learned trying to juggle like a quote unquote normal life and having goals as well. Where would you start?
2: Yeah, so the first thing that I think people just have this mental barrier saying, I can't juggle it. I just can't do it. I can't manage my nine to five while maintaining, you know my fitness goals I can't travel that's impossible and they almost put that mental barrier up first before trying to find solutions Mm. and but what I always say to people is like no matter where you are in the world you are in control of what goes in your mouth so it doesn't matter where you are you can still manage that like there's usually not going to be someone who's trying to shove any kind of food down your throat so you're (laughs) able to control that wherever you are Um, And then it's kind of just looking more practically instead of thinking like emotionally saying, oh, this is overwhelming, I can't do it. Breaking it down into really simple. Okay, what are my targets for the day? Okay, I have to eat this much calories. I have to eat this much protein. I have to get this many steps. I have to do this cardio or I have to do this session or whatever. And just finding kind of like simple and practical ways of achieving those things. Like I find, for example, when I'm traveling, I find it quite easy to get my steps in without I've even been trying, um, especially if I'm you know, getting a train and I decide to walk from the station to where I'm staying or um, walking to the site visit that I'm going to instead of getting a taxi. Just those little things all add up for me to achieve my step goal. In terms of if you need to get cardio in or if you need to train, there's literally always a 24 hour gym, usually somewhere around you, unless you're literally in the back of nowhere. Um, if you're in a city if you're in a town there's going to be somewhere where you can get that done if you need to um if not like I often say that for most of my clients and for myself I don't actually have like programmed rest days into my week just because I like to use them as buffers if I need them so if I am going to a site where there's like no gym around or I know I'll be pressed for time I will schedule that rest day in that day um just so I'm not stressing about it and I just know okay this is my rest day that's absolutely fine like I find that really helps make my life less stressful than mm. having scheduled rest days on exact days. Um, and for the same reason, I don't like having like different amounts of calories on training days and non-training days. I like to keep it all the same just because if I'm eating training day food and realize I can't train, then I'm like, oh crap, like what am I gonna do because i want already my all my food. Um, so things like that, just making your life a lot easier. Um, in terms of nutrition, like there's always going to be like a tesco express or like some sort of like shop nearby and most of the time most of these convenience shops will sell a lot of protein options now like they often sell you know cooked chicken greek yogurt um jerky um protein bars protein shakes ready to drink like they they have all these things now like most petrol stations do as well at this point um another thing we have i don't know if you guys have it but we have like delivery which is um like a food delivery service but they now deliver groceries uh which is very handy if you're staying in a hotel or some accommodation and you need something like that um and also like if you can and if you're staying over wherever you stay like I'm lucky now in my current job that I can book my own accommodation but before that I had to get the work travel agent to do it for me um but I try and book apartments or places with kitchens or kitchenettes or at least like a microwave and a fridge um just so I can make my meals um so like all of this stuff is just really like practical advice breaking things down make things easy for yourself another thing I'd recommend is weekly step goals and weekly cardio goals uh which is something I do even now even on weeks where I'm not traveling and so instead of doing 10,000 steps a day, you have 70,000 a week. So if you go under one day and a bit over the other day, it all balances out and you don't have to stress about it. And same with cardio, if you just give yourself a total weekly minute count, then you can achieve that as and when you want. So you don't have to freak out if you miss a day. Mm. Um, so it's just overall just making life easier for yourself and breaking things down and finding simple ways to get things done. Because mm. if you break it down, there's always a way to get there if you need to. Yeah, for sure. So what I'm hearing is that you have
0: really uh, firm or rigid goals like 70,000 steps in a week uh, or four or five training sessions in a week. I I didn't actually ask you the amount, but you have flexible strategies in order to achieve it. It might be 8,000 steps one day and 12,000 the next day. And you just sort of like, it's helpful to break down 70,000 steps and what that means in a day, obviously, but you're just giving and taking.
2: Yeah. So just, just giving yourself that flexibility so that you don't have to stress if one day you don't hit your steps, you don't hit your your cardio and you don't train, you can't like, it's that all or nothing mentality that we're trying to avoid. Like if you on a Monday, you miss all these three goals and then you think you've just fucked up the rest of the week then that's a really poor mentality to be in for the rest of the week, thinking you, you've already failed. Whereas if you have an opportunity saying, okay, this week, this day, you know, I fell below on these targets, that's okay, because I have the rest of the week to catch up on them. And by the end of the week, I'll be back, you know, right on track. It's a much more positive mindset to yeah. maintain. I feel. Yeah. yeah. Or
0: if you're on track with your daily averages and on the second last day or the last day of the week you are under, it's not that the whole mm-hmm. week's ruined, it's that instead of hitting 70,000 steps, you did 65,000. Or, you know, instead of averaging 2,000 calories a day, you average 2,100. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to get any of the results. It means you'll get 95% of them.
2: Hmm. Yeah. That's what I always explain to my clients is that it's not like 0% and 100%. There's a whole spectrum in between that, you know, okay, we need to, you know, ideally we'd like to stick to our goals to get 100% results, but there's nothing wrong with getting 90 or 95% results that, that week because you've had a really overwhelming week. You're really busy, run off your feet because you're still progressing. So as long as you're taking that step forward, you know, does it really matter because we're still on the path towards where you want to be? Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, it's the average over time concept too, right? Like
2: yeah.
1: You're far better off getting 90% every week for six weeks than you are to get 100% for three and 50% for three. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you end up at 75% with the 100 mentality. Well, it's an all or nothing mindset that you said.
0: Yeah, and with the all or nothing mindset because we can't do all very often. We end up doing nothing more most of the time. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think, think it's... Uh, I have this gripe with individuals that claim that they give 110%. <laughs>
0: I know you hate yeah. that
1: 10 so <laughs> um, You can't. It's yeah. not possible. Um, yeah. And then it's I also possible. get extremely cautious when I have people say that they were 100 because like mm-hmm. I know how diligent I am. And I would still say like, I'm probably like 95 to 98% of the way most of the time. You know, mm. in a perfect like when
2: Subconsciously, without realizing it, you're never going to be 100% because, you know, inaccuracies of day to day life, like your Fitbit or your tracker is going to be inaccurate, your heart rate is going to be inaccurate, your calories are going to be inaccurate. So you're actually never going to be 100%, even if you really, really try.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Understanding that, I think, makes it easier to also then be okay with these slight one or two or three or 4% deviations or, you know, shifts each day because. Like I, again I remember in the past I'd be like oh I'm at 9,950 steps I've got to do 10,000 so I'd just walk around the room you know? <laughs> yeah whereas now I'm like ah, whatever mm. like the 50 steps doesn't mean shit because tomorrow I'll probably do 10,050
2: yeah. You know? yeah yeah for sure for some, something I worked on with um when I was coached by Luke Hoffman who I know you're good friends with um is if I was weighing out serving a protein and say I was doing 25 grams away and I got 26 grams just to leave the gram there like it's more stress taking the gram off than to just leave it there like in the grand scheme of things to make no difference whereas you see on Instagram saying oh you know if you're if you don't care enough to take that one gram off and you don't really want to lull, do you and you're like you know there comes a point where you have to take the pros and cons of doing something and it's just easier to it there and not stress yourself out especially if you do have that mindset where you do have tend towards a poorer relationship with food it's better to nurture that than to take the gram off <laughs> Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Especially when uh, we know that,
0: you know, whatever database we're using might say that bananas have 19 point something grams of carbs in them, but it's going to differ from banana to banana. So we can't be exact. And also we set our calories based off an estimated total daily energy expenditure and we plus and minus from there. And it is estimated. And even though, even if we are eating exactly what we think we're eating, we might be moving a little bit more or less Um, than what we did the following day so we can never be like right on and close enough is good enough that's not to say that we should i'm sorry you go no no you're fine i was gonna say there's not that we should have the close enough is good enough with things that really matter like eh, i got three sessions instead of five this week like Mm. no not really and then uh, how long is a piece of string then you can give that out a bit more oh i'm supposed to eat 500 grams of veg today eh, 300 is enough and you know that that attitude can sink in but when it is like one gram of protein or 50 steps like on the grand scheme of things
2: trying to be perfect like that is just going to lead to burnout Mm. yeah especially when people a lot of people who are into fitness and into training anyway have that kind of personality where they want to be perfect and they want to strive for more so it's kind of nice to give yourself that leeway when you can because I think for the most part for a lot of people who are into fitness I know it's obviously going to be different for beginners or people who are embarking on fat loss phases but um they generally do tend to be on the side of obsessive and trying to be everything perfect so it's nice to kind of take a step back and and kind of worry on worry more about what really really matters like your big rocks rather than the sand um just kind of taking care of the, the main things that are going to matter and as you said like you cannot estimate or exactly track how many calories you burn in a day like as what I was going to say was that you know as you diet we know that we have our non-exercise activity thermogenesis which is basically all the calories that we burn when we are not exercising but it's not our basal metabolic rate just the daily things we do day to day but we also have something called MENAT, which is non-exercise non-activity thermogenesis which is literally like your facial tone like As you diet, you'll start to smile a bit less, your face will move a bit less because you're trying to conserve energy, you'll stop like fidgeting as much, twitching as much, and all this stuff like is completely involuntary. You don't even notice it, but that's gonna slow down the amount of calories that you burn. But you're not going to necessarily account for that. Like, you're not going to know, oh, that exactly. It doesn't pick that up. (laughs) No, no, you're not going to say, okay, well, today I burned 30 less calories from, you know, smiling. So I'm going to eat 30 less calories. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Like, it has to be just an estimation. And and we hope that we get close, but we're never going to be fully there. Yeah.
1: Hmm. So we've just told everybody that's listening that we're just guessing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, an
1: est- they, they us, it's an
2: estimated guess though it? <laughs> yeah it's an educated
1: guess <laughs> yeah. it's a guesstimation yeah guesstimation
2: yeah. <laughs> exactly
0: so are the um targets that you have for yourself different in your off-season to your comp prep stage
2: yeah definitely and there's probably a lot more flexibility in an off-season because as we know a prep is a very extreme goal you're getting to a very low levels of body fat and it's not something to embark on unless you are stepping on stage like I would never try and get a client to achieve that level of conditioning unless they're ready for stage so bear that in mind as a caveat that this is not going to be for everyone um in a prep situation where everything has to be nailed one way or another um but in off season I'm definitely more flexible like I'll probably have a lot less cardio to do um step targets I'll probably have one but you know it's not the end of the world if I miss the odd day you know I don't necessarily feel like I have to catch up if I don't want to, if I'm too busy, if there's a lot going on, um, my training will stay the same. Obviously, that's really important. Um, and then in terms of nutrition, definitely more flexibility there. Like you don't have to track every gram uh, to a T. You don't have to be so specific and so rigid um, and you can have more flexibility. So I would I would take more opportunity like when you're traveling, like it's nice to be able to experience different places and different foods and things like that so when I am not dieting I definitely take advantage of that because I love food like I am someone I've come from a food family my parents are in the food business it's something we talk about all day long like I don't want to um sacrifice and deprive myself for the sake of it when I don't need to when I don't have that extreme goal um so I definitely enjoy myself but I do definitely have that awareness of you know my hunger and satiety signals I like years ago used to be one of those people that told myself that I had to finish my plate I had to always lick my plate and I just could never leave anything behind but since like doing a lot of reading and kind of researching into you know mindfulness and you know intuitive eating and also as we talked about on your podcast on my podcast the informed eating process um I definitely have more of an awareness of at what stage of the hunger scale I am when I want to eat, when I want to stop eating, when it's okay to leave things behind, um, and just reminding yourself that, you know, food will always be there, like, you don't have to finish it, because you'll never have that again, because you definitely can, um, so it's not that scarcity mindset as well, um, so yeah, I definitely approach things very different in the off-season, in terms of just flexibility, loosening the reins a bit, because you know competitors are not robots like we get fatigue from all the thinking and the decisions to make about being so rigid every single day that we need that time off like it it does get exhausting like dean will know like and you i'm sure he will know as well that like when you when you've been so rigid for so long you need to take a step back no matter how on instagram you say you're so hardcore and you know everything has to be 110 percent um you will at one point need to take a a step back from it because it does it's very very tiring
0: Mm. Mm. And one thing that Dean and I uh, have integrated into our life to make that less tiring is just like an enjoyable routine. We roll out of bed and go for like a 30-minute walk in the morning and we don't think about it as cardio or exercise or steps. It's like it's just nice to get outside and like see the cliffs in Portugal. Mm. We like the sunshine. We like the breeze. Like it's just beautiful um and we both eat at 10 o'clock we have egg whites and a whole bunch of veg I spoil myself with putting a full egg in there by the way I have one Oop, wild. <laughs> I
1: don't No, because be. I'm hardcore and I do things at 110
0: <laughs> he saved his fats for later but but we enjoy that meal we don't really have to think about it because you know it's 10 o'clock this is what we eat at 10 o'clock you know we might get sick of it in a month and change it for something else you know we'll keep it protein and veg but that way we are keeping calories under control. We're getting enough veg and fiber in, in the day, our steps are in, and it's just part of our routine. I haven't competed in the longest time. I don't plan on doing it in the future, but I don't think of myself as dieting or on a diet or trying to lose weight. I'm just maintaining a healthy diet and healthy lifestyle, which means, you know, stress management, sleep movements, like Mm. steps, for example. Um, And Dean and I are in a similar boat to you. We don't, travel for work but we travel while we work like when yeah. we were in England for four months we weren't in one place for any longer than two weeks at a time or three weeks right. actually in Liverpool um, but we moved constantly but we still got out of bed and went for a morning walk we still ate a protein and veg meal at 10 o'clock we you know we ate out but we were always mindful of what we were selecting on the menu it doesn't mean that well <laughs> Dean didn't eat out; yeah, he was prepping Mostly I did prep. um, but that doesn't mean that, oh, God, I can't eat out anywhere. It's like, no, I won't choose a pizza joint. I will choose something that has sensible options. If I'm eating out with a friend, maybe I'll share an entree and share a dessert. But we're just being mindful and we're just working enjoyable things into our life.
1: Yeah, I think the um the key is having some rigidity to your framework, mm-hmm. but then flexibility to your implementation. Okay. You know, yeah. like... The framework is we have certain health-seeking behaviors, e.g. protein, veg for nutrition, movement in the morning, training five times per week if we can, but four times is enough. Yeah. But the flexibility shifts, like you kind of said before, Holly, it's like, oh, this day just got real busy. Well, today's a public holiday
0: in Portugal, so the gyms are closed. (laughs) Yeah, and
1: there's a lot of content to get done today. So, like, today's a no-train day for me. But by the end of my sort of seven-day lapse or period, I'll probably get four sessions in this week, so we can tick that off. Mm. Um, which actually wouldn't mind teasing out a bit. You said before that you don't uh, write in rest days specifically. What does that yeah. look like in like uh, like theory and application for you? So that an individual can kind of yeah, I suppose take something from that from a, a training perspective.
2: So I suppose there's two reasons like a lot of it obviously is my travel and my work but it's also like my own recovery and kind of auto regulation in terms of how I'm feeling that day like if if I were to have a set schedule where I rest on these specific days what if you know there is one day where I just feel absolutely battered but my program tells me I have to train so therefore I have to train like what if I've had a terrible night's sleep what if I'm really, really stressed what if I have my full-time day of jobs and then I have you know a podcast recording or a few consults to do and then you know developing more stuff for the physique collective site like I have many hats I have to wear every single day Um, and if I'm absolutely swamped but my training plans as I have to train then it's just not going to be optimal in terms of like my well-being my performance my strength levels I'm not going to enjoy the session as much I'm going to be overwhelmed I'm going to just want to take the box and get it done I'm not going to put as much intent into my sessions if I don't feel ready for it. So to me, it's always made sense to kind of ultra regulate my rest days. And I suppose the more I've learned about training and, and the more advanced I become as a bodybuilder or an athlete or whatever you want to call me, um, the more awareness I have of my own recovery capabilities, my own you know, feelings, my own biofeedback. Obviously at the beginning, that's something that might take time to develop. Um, but with time you start to notice these things and you start to kind of assess yourself based on your motivation to train. You know your readiness to train have you progressed in your previous sessions are you feeling any soreness from your previous sessions all these kind of things you, you tick boxes and ask yourself kind of in your head um so yeah it just makes sense to me to to yeah. auto regulate my own. and also when I'm traveling sometimes it's just absolutely impossible if I'm down in Cornwall and I can't find a gym like it's probably better off for me to take a rest day than to just like traipse around the whole county trying to find somewhere
1: yeah, so I have two follow-up questions there. So does it look like you just essentially have like session one through five and then you just train them sequentially as per these feedback mechanisms?
2: No, so, so yeah, no, I have sessions one through five, which I will usually do in the same order every week just because I prefer, you know, doing that order. Um, and I will try and have a rough idea of when I want to separate them. Like I've done um, three sessions, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if I'm not really doing anything that week I'll rest today on a Thursday and then train Thursday Friday or Friday Saturday and then take Sunday off so I try and kind of intersperse them so there is a bit of a gap but sometimes I literally will have to run Monday to Friday because I'm so busy at the weekend or I have to take Monday Tuesday off and run the rest of the week and obviously that's not quote-unquote optimal and because you likely will need a rest in between but sometimes I have to get it done because as I said I do have an extreme goal at the moment so it just has to get done. so that kind of thing i have to have to give and take on um but usually i try and intersperse them kind of midweek and end of week i love having Sundays days off i i don't really like training on a Sunday because i feel like that's the, the day to like relax and reset and prepare yourself for a Monday ahead mm. um so yeah
1: okay and then my my, my second question because <clears throat> this is one that i've uh, spoken to clients recently about who are actually about to travel as well which and and doing this myself is Okay, we could argue that training to a specific program in the same gym, in the same order, with the same rep ranges is the most optimal for measuring progress over time, right? Because we're minimizing the amount of noise or variables, but how do you go about managing performance if you are training in different gyms with potentially different equipment, you know, or potentially a different exercise order because they're busy at 6 p.m. when it's the only time we train. How are you managing, like, I suppose, uh, referencing progression and that when you do have to shift from your norm?
2: Obviously, it's going to be difficult because you're never going to be able to exactly match a stimulus that you get in one gym, one set of equipment versus another. So although we can look at volume as an indicator, it's never going to be correct and especially when you use different machines like we use a shoulder press from one brand versus a shoulder press from another brand the volume on them isn't going to be the same because one of them is going to better match your own profile and one of them's not so therefore the volume is going to be different so it's I think it's an oversimplification just to count volume in terms of weight times sets or weight times sets times reps or whatever you want to use Um, because there's so much more that goes into it but as an indication I feel that when you become into training and when you get into training, you definitely should learn the skill of like assessing your proximity to failure. So how close you are to that last rep where you literally can't, you can't do the rep Um, because having that skill and that ability will allow you to kind of auto-regulate and standardize your exercises regardless of where you are. So if you're training to a reps and reserve scheme and you have maybe two reps and reserve to do that week, kind of being aware of, okay, no matter what machine I'm on, no matter what cable stack I'm on, I know when, okay, I have two two reps left now, I'm going to stop. Um, and that's going to be a, a very good way of maintaining some sort of standardization. Obviously it's it's going to be difficult because it's never going to be 100% standardized because session to session isn't even 100% standardized because the way you complete a rep is different. Uh, your own fatigue is different. Your glycogen stores are different. Your creatine levels are different. There's going to be so many different things. Um, but overall maintaining some sort of proximity to failure and then just picking similar movement patterns, ideally sim- similar machines if you can um, and just, just doing your best. Like it, it, like it is going to be, it's not going to be necessarily 100% optimal, but you just have to kind of take that on board and, and do your best. Don't go into a new gym and just do whatever you feel like. Still go in with a plan and a strategy um, but maybe be open to swapping out an exercise for something else if you have to, if the gym is busy, if you're in a rush. Um, and just being flexible in that respect
0: yeah I mean um, because we move around so much we're always training at different gyms so I've found it handy to pretty much to stick to dumbbells and barbells because a 20 kilo dumbbell is the same in Portugal as it is in Croatia where we'll be in 10 days Um, but I definitely hear you that from one brand to another is so different like a leg press for example a sled for a leg press might weigh, I don't know, 50 kilos for this brand and 30 kilos for another brand. So even if I'm adding, I don't know, 200 kilos, 100 kilos either side of the leg press, plus the 50 kilogram sled in this gym, but plus only the 30 kilogram sled mm. in that gym. One with um,
1: rust, one without rust. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> one where the range of motion is better for me and one where it's not so good. Um, yeah but it's also it's a, like
2: the angle of a leg press like if, you, if it's a 45 degree leg press right. you're only lifting 30 percent of the load whereas if it's a higher you could be lifting 50 percent of the load so there are so many different things and then the cam systems are really really intricate um all of the different things that go on inside machines it's very very complicated so it's going to be impossible to get it exact um even myself as someone who's been into exercise mechanics for the past three or four years now i still get confused by it um so yeah you just have to find one way that you think will work to stand as much as possible and just go with it and don't overthink or second guess things because you're there you can't do anything about it just make the most of where you are and just get it done. Mm.
1: so if we if we were to chuck a, uh, a clean wrap up on that it would be you want to try and match perhaps
0: the, movement the amount of
1: the movement pattern and the amount of effective reps those being a reference for like, any, any reps achieved failure. one to three from failure, like you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and then, then that would obviously be dictated by sets potentially too. And then call it a day.
2: Yeah. Movement patterns. And then, you know, your, your volume, roughly what you're meant to achieve. And then just maybe just focusing, because obviously the movement patterns are not going to be exact. So maybe just spend more time focusing on, prescribed tempo and contraction and really just squeezing the muscles and, and really placing intent on the muscles you're trying to train and really get that stimulus where you can because it is going to be a novel setup for you so you, we all know that when we uh, start a new program it takes a couple of weeks to kind of adapt to it and get used to it um but we only have this one session to get it done um so maybe just placing more focus on the stimulus on internal focus on intent on contraction all that kind of stuff and it's probably good practice to be fair because I feel like even more advanced trainees kind of neglect all of those sensations and those feelings they should be trying to achieve instead of just completing a rep and and lifting it from A to B
1: Mm.
2: for sure and it's also good practice to
0: understand the difference between actual mechanical failure and just stopping because something really hurts yeah Um, and I do think that even though we're kind of laughing at it it's something that people get confused at all the time Mm. they're like oh yeah no I stopped because I think I probably only had two reps left it's like well no it just started hurting like you can see like the speed of the bar didn't really change Mm. like there's yeah so how do you explain to your clients the difference between pain and uh
2: actual mechanical failure well first of all we have to distinguish between you know is it pain or is it like muscular fatigue oh that's, because something yeah. that's hurting um that's different so you kind of have to assess when they say oh that hurts you need to say okay is that just your muscular fatigue building up is that just kind of lactic acid production things like that so we first need to distinguish kind of the terminology there um and then like there are different things we look for when a, a set is coming to the end um, so is is the rep as you said slowing down so is your contraction velocity slowing down um to the point where a rep that you feel is going the same amount of speed is actually slowing down involuntarily without you trying now I have seen clients you know nearly purposely try and slow down a rep so they can stop um but we try no we try that very possible <laughs> um and then things like is their body positioning changing like are they kind of um using more compensatory mechanisms to help get that rep From a to b instead of just keeping a a stable position um are they losing control like at their start and stop point are they losing that ability to fully control those two points um are they using a bit of what we call inertia or momentum to get that weight up instead of just controlling the entire range of that rep so there's another number of different things we look for um so yeah and it depends on the client um what failure is um, so some of them we want to say, okay, literally we'll get to the very end when we fully exhausted the muscle, and that's maybe more for a more trained athlete. Um, but for someone at the beginning, we don't need to go there really. Um, so maybe when the rep slows down a bit, um, when they maybe start to shift their body a little bit, we might call the set there um, because the risk to reward ratio is in the favor of stopping a bit earlier.
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I had a, a client tell me the other day he watches his clients' training videos uh, on mute. So that he's not um, <laughs> misguided by sound. Because you yeah. know, some people are the same. They either they do, grunt they a lot. do the face grimace or they do the noise grimace. Mm. So he just watches them on quiet. I'm I like, do think
0: that making noise can be habitual because I've seen guys pick up weights and start doing like I don't know dumb shit oh, could you with dumbbells, <laughs> and it's like they start grunting. I'm like, that doesn't hurt. Like yeah. you're just you just began your warm up. So yeah, that's a good point.
1: It can like, but there's a difference between it uh, to it. Uh, you know? Ah, yeah, 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 You know, like the uh, is just sometimes like you said, it's a habitual. Like when I press, I go. <laughs>
0: Well, I must say, not that I'm a huge fan of gender norms or whatsoever, I think they're very harmful. My grunts on the um, like squat machine Mm. are quite masculine. I noticed the other day, I forgot (laughs) my earphones. So I had to train with my own thoughts and whatever background music was on. And I could hear my grunting for the first time and it was deep.
1: Mm. That is one of the disadvantages <laughs> of having earphones is you can make some noise that you're not aware of.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. I don't really care about my noises. I was just surprised. I was like, that is <laughs> that is a low-toned masculine grunt, Liz. Yeah. I'm all right with it, though. I accept who I am. <laughs> I don't have to have high-toned <laughs> grunts to be
2: a female.
1: <laughs> I'd be a little bit worried if you were like,
2: he. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That'd be a bit weirder.
1: <laughs> I would rather you grunt. To say like a man
2: yeah
1: then to be the one that's like <laughs> like doing like as if you're like the high breath right.
0: dean i challenge you the next time you do i don't know whatever your session is next
1: mm-hmm.
0: on your first working set i challenge you to make feminine grunting noises i
1: don't yeah. know what that would sound like
0: i don't know like i don't know if i want to hear that <laughs> yeah i'll
1: i may record it
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> something <laughs> like that or sexual no, i don't care Okay. That Yeah. Um. <laughs> Dean gives more fucks than I do. Like, I will walk outside in a costume and be like, "How you do it?" Like, I have no sense of shame whatsoever. And so I feel like this is something that I would find funny, but Dean, because he gives probably normal amount of fucks. I feel like that <laughs> yes, is
1: embarrassing for you. It's not like I'm sensitive. No, you're you, not sensitive. You you're just
0: like I just wasn't born with the sense of shame or embarrassment. I just yeah.
1: Mm, yeah. um um so what so, so far i like so the, the 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 message i think i'm getting the most here for people that have like full time jobs or otherwise like large outside commitments is to try and figure out what the minimum effective dose is, to use that terminology in all things and then like what is maybe like the maximum the optimal and then how do we find flexibility between them. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Like finding like your, your non-negotiables and they Ooh. could be non-negotiables, but the way to achieve them can be a bit more flexible and doesn't have to be so rigid.
1: Yeah. So non-negotiable for training might be four sessions. It might be
2: 70,000 steps
0: a week,
1: 70,000 steps a week. Those four sessions may also be non-negotiable and they might be like, you know, two uppers, two lowers, this amount of effective reps. Mm. And then how you achieve yeah. then. And then nutrition, is that sort of something that's a sliding scale for you too? Like some people are uh, protein plus calories. Some people are more like protein, carbs, fats within ranges. Is that something that you kind of go for?
2: Yeah. So obviously, as I said, it depends on the phase I'm in, whether I'm in a muscle building phase or a fat loss phase, but in off season and like when I'm trying to build muscle, I literally never count my carbs and fats. I just think (sighs) like... I know that probably people are like hardcore bodybuilders is going to say to me, you know, you should be tracking everything to the gram, and you should be following a strict meal plan. And you should be clean eating all this stuff. But I just don't want it. Like I am not a professional athlete and I don't do this for a living. Like I have a full time job. I have a life outside of bodybuilding. I just want to enjoy my day to day life. And I, if I would be miserable following an exact meal plan every single day to a T with macros, I just I would just wouldn't enjoy it. Um. So for me in off-season, I. Calories and protein are absolutely fine for me. Even with protein, it's a range. It's not going to be an exact number. Calories are probably going to be a bit of a range as well. Um, because just that amount of rigidity in when you're trying to build muscle is just not necessary. Um, whereas when you're in a fat loss phase, especially when you get closer to something like a show where you need to really manipulate things like your electrolyte balance and your your fat amounts and all these kind of things, you probably do need to be more specific now you know joe has provided me with a meal plan which i don't really follow but i've kind of made my own one um which is i it's kind of like a template i call it um that i can change little bits of it during the day day to day so the foundations are there so i'm never stopped thinking oh my god what am i gonna have for this meal because i know roughly what i'm gonna have but if i want to tweak it if i want to have you know chicken instead of lean beef mince or if i want to have rice instead of potato one day or something like that, as long as I equate it calorie wise, mm. I, I will do that. I don't have an issue with that.
0: Yeah. Mm. So you mentioned that, you know, you don't count your, just, just actually, well, maybe take a step back for people that aren't too familiar with macro tracking. So the three things that make up calories are protein, carbs, and fats. So you said, you, know, you don't necessarily count your carbs and fats in your off-season or your muscle building phase, but that doesn't mean you don't keep calories under control. What you're saying is you eat a minimum amount of protein and you distribute mm-hmm. your remaining calories between carbs and fats as you please, because that gives you the flexibility that you need to adhere to the most important principles long-term.
2: Exactly. Yeah, when you think of like your main pillars that you need to achieve a muscle gain goal, obviously your protein is going to be very important. Your calories are going to be very important. Obviously, carbs are going to be important for your performance, but when you're in a surplus anyway, you're likely going to be consuming enough carbohydrates. Mm. Um, and same with fats, if you're, you know, conscious about including healthy fats in your diet you shouldn't really be able to struggle with getting that in either. Um, mm. So that's just personal preference. Like some people are different. Some people want to hit everything on the nail, on the head, every single day, but that's not how I like to live. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, well, I think they that the biggest take home from there is that you ask yourself the question of like, is this approach, what approach is optimal? What approach is like adequate? And then what are the pros and cons of each one?
0: What's optimal for me?
1: Yeah. And mm. then which is optimal for me? That's mm. the last bit is, most yeah. people forget to ask themselves, like, "Will I actually enjoy doing this, you know? Can
2: I do it for yeah. long enough?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay.
2: But yeah. I always say that with, like, training plans. Like, if you create the most optimal training plan in the world on paper, if someone just looks at it and goes, "Nah, don't like it, it's just not optimal for them. So you have to take into account, like, the enjoyment of the client and the personal preference of the client because that's what's going to be underpinning their adherence and their long-term success.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah two know. of my guys coming out of comp got deadlifts they'll like, have not deadlift in 12 months I'm like well because there was no need to they're like, but I wanted to and I was like that's why you're getting it like I f- yeah for no yeah. other reason
2: because you want to yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah it's definitely really important now, I'm just getting um... that
2: like truck from the client as well sorry um by including things they like like I know like it could be really easy to go onto a chronometer which is like a website which shows you all your micronutrients and making sure they're 100% Um, But I will always ask in a consultation form, what foods do you love and what foods do you not like? Because I'm not going to give you a meal plan, even though if if on this app, it says that, you know, it's completely nutritionally perfect and complete. You know, I want you to enjoy your life and enjoy your food.
1: Mm. Yeah, I shan't be writing in like liver pate and oysters without (laughs) questioning a person who would enjoy that. No.
0: No. As a coach. Asking those questions and actually actioning actioning it uh, on a plan of some sort, either within a framework or a meal plan, if you want to be that specific, also makes the client feel like they're important to you and it makes them feel heard. Uh, And I think those things help a client be adherent to a plan. And we know adherence is necessary to reach the goal.
1: It also removes that idea of uh, the diet, like I'm on a diet. Yeah. but rather I'm following a nutrition guideline uh, because usually that is it. People go to X coach. They say, I want X result. They say, here's the diet. They follow the diet They get the result. And then they go, Oh, fuck now what? You know?
0: Yeah. 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 Like, that's
1: the diet for that result at that time. But, but it, it still amazes me that yeah, we, I have clients even now that are surprised when I say, Hey, like what exercises would you like this week or in this program and what you absolutely not want to do, mm. <laughs> you know? No. well I'd rather just do what I need to do
0: because like, you're not going to give your everything to something you don't really like yeah. nutrition or training mm-hmm. yeah,
1: exactly definitely.
0: yeah mm-hmm. well <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a lot of practical stuff there for people but if we were to ask you because the podcast is about how to be less shit for a less shit tip maybe like a take-home point how can people be less shit uh when trying to juggle their full-time job full-time life and fitness goals
2: I would say the main thing that I would find both for myself and my clients is just to not think so emotionally when it comes to achieving something like this, because it's going to seem overwhelming at first and you're going to wonder how can I juggle all these things. But if you just sat yourself down with a piece of paper and literally put down all the things you had to get done in a day and gave yourself a solution on how to do it, usually you'll be like, oh, that actually wasn't so bad. I actually managed that. Okay. Um, So I would say, yeah, stop, don't think so. Don't get so overwhelmed by the thought because it usually is quite manageable. And also be, as we said, quite flexible with how you achieve these goals um, because your body doesn't reset at midnight every single day. Like it is kind of a transient process, the whole fat loss, muscle gain thing. Um, So it's rolling weeks and weeks. Um, So one day is not going to be the be all and end all of your progress. But I would also say that, you know, it's okay to ask for help in these situations like don't let your pride get in the way because oh I should be able to do this and um, you know I should know by now how to achieve these things because even I sometimes need you know need to ask questions for my coach and um, everyone need the helping hand sometimes So like don't be afraid to ask for help there's usually people on Instagram like that you look up to who are perfectly happy to give their advice and answer questions and stuff like that and I find that from like having my own podcast that like all these people who I look up to are always more than happy to help me out and give me advice and to give me their time and stuff like that. So don't feel alone if you do struggle with things like this because there's always help if you look for it.
0: Mm, I think mm. it makes you human too. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. the fastest way to stop progressing is to think that you know everything too.
1: Mm.
0: So yeah. Don't do that. Definitely. Mm.
1: Yeah. I, I like the, uh, the mentor slash coach approach to this because like you said I think right back in the beginning is that there's a lot of emotional fatigue and psychological fatigue associated with trying to think about all of the things you need to do let alone then deciding what else do I need to change in order to still facilitate this result Mm. when you can kind of push that off to somebody and just say hey can you tell me what I need to do for a bit give me these guidelines you You just follow you can divorce from that emotional attachment you know like if and the Joe said, yeah, yeah if Joe said, to "You hey, like as long as you're within ten grams, I don't really care." Then you like yeah. "Oh, think fuck, like that's okay." Whereas yeah. if you're doing it yourself, you might be like, "Oh, I'm five grams out. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cheating myself." And yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And the thing is, even if you know that yourself, like if you are a coach yourself, sometimes it's nice to have that objective perspective telling you because you know we all mess around with our own heads. We all tell ourselves things, and we're all a bit hard on ourselves. So it's nice to have that, you know, voice of reason outside that will kind of direct you. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Um,
0: now, we like to ask our guests if they have something worth sharing because we think our guests are interesting people with interesting hobbies, and you can share something within the fitness industry, or it could be something totally unrelated. What do you think you want to share with the audience? Ooh, there's, a lot of, there's
2: a lot of things I want to share. So, I basically, my goal, especially on like social media, is to just provide as much helpful content as I can so I basically use my clients as my creativity so any problem they have I will likely you know make a video about it or I'll seek answers for it or I will find some way to kind of give the answer so I do that in like a number of ways as like they um Dean and Lizzie have said I do have my own podcast um where I get on lots of different guests. We've had Dean and Lizzie on themselves where we talked about informed eating. Um, I've had Lauren Conlon on who's talked about kind of moving away from rigid dieting and, and back into kind of normal life, quote unquote, and how to diet as a non-competitor. Um, so basically my aim is to just put out stuff that's going to be helpful for people. Um, so if you do check out my Instagram, I'm just at Holly Davidge, or my podcast, which is elevate HD. Um, I'm also on the physique collective website. I actually have a full video on how to, um, adhere to your diet and your fitness plans while traveling. Um, so I've kind of tried to cover everything I can and just, and just give what I can to people to help them where possible. Cool. Love it. Sounds good also I do have a quote that is that is unrelated but it is one of my favorite quotes um my favorite quote is a true master is an eternal student which is one I like to live by because I just feel as you said before like when you feel like you know everything that's a dangerous situation to be in um and you should always always be pursuing more knowledge more learning more experience because there's always more to learn and the more you learn the more you realize the more there is to learn Mm -hmm. Uh, so Kind of like a never-ending uh, journey, but I find that really exciting because I think years ago I used to think, oh my god, I'm never gonna know everything. This is like what's the point? But now I find it exciting that there's always more ways to get better and improve yourself.
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think that quote was Einstein's. It was <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking.
2: It's my favorite quote. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I was I was reading this book recently called Everything Is Fucked. Excellent book while we're sharing well, cool re- things.
1: Re-rereading, right?
0: Well, yeah, reading for the second time. Um, and he mentioned that Einstein is the most misquoted person in history, which is why Dean said it's an Einstein quote. It's not. Oh, really? Everyone yeah. says yeah.
1: <laughs> Einstein said.
0: Yeah. Einstein didn't say any yeah. of those things. If the shoe fits. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Remember when he said that back in whatever years he, he was alive?
0: <laughs> to avoid hangovers, maybe don't drink like a dickhead. <laughs> Einstein said. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Like That's a good know. quote. I like that quote. Yeah, I've actually heard that quote before, and it wasn't until I spent some time doing jiu-jitsu that I really understood what it meant. Because you start on your white belt, and as a white belt, you know, sweet fuck all. And I look at the black belts, and they move around on the mats like they were born there. They're incredible. Cool. Um, and I was surprised to see that the black belts Came to just as many classes as the white belts, probably more actually. They were more consistent. They hung around after class and showed each other like, "How did you do that choke?" And and I was like, "How do they not know everything yet? They're black belts, Mm. but they're black belts and they're masters because they continue to learn and they know how much more there is to know. And even the things they do know, they can do better."
1: Mm. Um, So that's why they call the teachers professors. I think right. Well, yeah, in jujitsu,
0: they're called professors. Mm. That's cool.
1: Yeah, which makes kind of sense.
0: Well, at first I was like, you're a PhD, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> but they are just masters at what they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Now we want to introduce a new topic, a new topic, a new segment on this episode. We're calling it Hot Topics. Yeah. <laughs> because we wrap up with some segments, right? There's the Be Less Shit, there's Something Worth Sharing. Now we've got Hot Topics. We're breaking the
1: ice with you, Holly.
0: We are breaking Ooh, the <laughs> ice with you, <laughs> Um, I've always wanted some sort of keyboard where I have noises, where I can like boo people and do like a crowd applause.
1: But she can't be trusted.
0: No, I'm not allowed to have one apparently because I would have been <laughs> Dean every time he tried to talk. Um, but for Hot Topics, I really want to get a sound going for it. Can I can I sing it to Holly?
1: No, it's a terrible song.
0: <laughs> you know that hot potato, hot potato. I, you know? <laughs> I want to put Hot Topics instead of Hot Potato. The problem here is potato is a three syllable word potato topics is a or topic is a two syllable word. My solution is Met- oh. there is a solution to every no, problem. Continue, sorry. Do you, sorry, do you want to sing it?
1: No, no, no. I was going to say maybe we could find another language where it says topic. Ah. Like Topico.
0: Topico, maybe. But <laughs> so My solution was this hot to topic, hot to topic. You just do the T twice to topic, to topic, oh. to topic.
1: It works because <laughs> potato tots.
0: You're on something. Do you like the song? <laughs> I like it. It's it okay. you're, you're allowed to say no, That's you're not, you're not. That is the official new intro to the Hot Topics segment.
1: Hot to Topics. And the
0: Hot Topic, what we wanted to ask you about today, and I know we're putting you on the spot here. Um, this is more of an opinion piece, so there's no right or wrong answer. We're just interested to know. Mm-hmm. When it comes to fitness goals, there's always some sacrifices that need to be made. There's a price to pay. Um, often, well, we would hope, the benefits outweigh the costs, right? We live longer, we live healthier, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But changing habits is hard. When you are pursuing extreme goals, like you two are competitive bodybuilders, the sacrifices are pretty large, you know, like social life, maybe some mental health, some relationships with your body, with food, something like that. What do you think is too much of a sacrifice? Where do you draw the line? Oh, that
2: is a really good question. I suppose it's like, it's hard because is it's not a black and white thing. There is a bit of a gray area. So in terms of, as you said, say your your physical health, there's not just good health and bad health. There's a bit of a leeway in between. So I suppose it's like, how much am I willing to potentially risk my health to a point where it's no longer uh, beneficial or rewarding to me? And then in terms of socializing, like, as I said, I am willing in my social life to sacrifice a lot in my prep seasons um, when I'm dieting specifically for stage. But in off season, I'm just not willing to do that. So I will not say no to social occasions, to restaurants, to events, to parties, to drinks ever, because I'm still I'm still young. I have a lot of life to live and I don't want to feel like I've wasted my twenties on, you know, staying inside and just, you know, eating my meals. Um, So things like that. And that's why I've tried to live a relatively normal quote unquote life compared to what a regular, you know, bodybuilder would look like. And that's why I like to maintain my job at the moment, because it keeps me kind of grounded towards what reality is compared to this bubble of bodybuilding, which is not reality. Um, So it's just allowing myself where probably in in certain situations I I might need to go nearly all in with my goals bodybuilding that's kind of my priority but I do have a long period of time like I haven't competed for three years since the last time um and I've given myself the ability to go away to see my family see my friends go out do all this kind of stuff because that is really really important to me um and I'm not willing to sacrifice that Mm. um but yeah and in terms in terms of my like mental health my relationship with food and my body I feel that before I started training and competing it was a lot worse um I remember I used to go to um shops with my mum when I was you know 12 I'd go into changing rooms and I would bawl my eyes out because I I hated how I looked um I was made fun of because I was overweight Um, I used to go to restaurants and and cry at the menu because I didn't know what, what to have so I had all of this all of these guessing things going on in my head where I didn't know what was the right decision. I didn't know what healthy was. I thought if I stopped eating salt, I'd lose weight because I thought salt was bad for you. I thought right. I thought diet Coke was worse for you than regular Coke. Like I thought all these things and I just felt I was in this vicious cycle of feeling really, really unhappy in my appearance, but not knowing how to fix it or how to resolve it um and I went through Weight Watchers I went through Slimming World I went through all the clubs like when I was like 15 I was really really young and I was just so unaware of the principles of nutrition and exercise and well-being but now I feel like I'm I'm much better off because I have that awareness and that knowledge and it empowers me and equips me with the tools I need to manipulate my body composition if I want to you know be able to eat out without crying be able to go into the shop and think I, I like how I look in these clothes like that's given me a lot of freedom in a way so mm. the fact that competing has completely like suppressed me or held me back it has given me a lot of liberation from these thoughts.
0: Mm. So you don't
2: really feel like you've sacrificed all that much if anything you, you've gained quite a lot? I've I've gained a lot because I was one of those yeah. people growing up where I didn't have a lot of friends I didn't really fit into a a group or a clique um because I was really really academic really studious I wasn't very sporty um so to find like a sport or an activity that I you know I was okay at that I progressed in that I found like-minded people in that accepted me I found that community especially when I was in England on my own I had no friends like it helped me develop a bit of a family and so it's given me so much back so although there are sacrifices I need to make, I feel like the return I get is much, much more. Mm. Mm. But too far for you would be living an
0: off-season life, even during your game phase.
2: Yeah, it's like what um, I, I, I was doing a Jake yeah. seminar Sorry. years ago, and he said that you're always on prep. That's the mentality. Whether you're in a muscle building phase or in a fat loss phase, you're always on prep. And I just don't feel like that. I don't want to feel like I'm on prep all the time. And that's what allows me to be mentally ready to prep for a show because I've taken that time away, I've loosened the reins. I've been a normal person uh, without feeling like I need to eat out where all day, every day, year round, to say no to drinks, to say no to food and just to to turn down things that will add to my life. Mm. Yeah okay but no. you, you still do the important
0: things even
2: when you're in a game phase I was still I, I never missed a training session my whole off season I never missed a cardio session you know steps sometimes were plus or minus um but in terms of the things that that mean a lot to me which are socializing eating out sharing meals with friends that's something I did quite a lot because that's what I really really enjoyed the other stuff I enjoy as well so I didn't mind maintaining my training maintaining my cardio because it made me feel good um but I just I love that spirit sharing like meal experiences like in terms of like say off plan meals for example if I were to have an off plan meal I would never just order a takeaway and eat it at home it has to be an experience yeah. for me it has to be with people I love with company I enjoy with good atmosphere like that really really means a lot to me and adds a lot to my life and um, so that's something I wouldn't want to give up yeah. all year round i always encourage the flex success guys to not think of eating
0: out as bad but more so something that adds to your social life mm. we don't mm. want to be eating out because of a lack of preparation um, and yeah. that's exactly your mentality you're not going to just like order out and eat at home it's
2: like going to like a drive-through and just getting something to go or just yeah. ordering like a random takeaway chinese at home like i just i wouldn't find any pleasure from that um So it'd have to be like in specific situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Do you think
0: that there is a objective line that's too much, or do you think what is too much, like too much of a sacrifice in order to reach a fitness goal? Do you
2: think that's more subjective? It's definitely not objective. Like there are people that are willing to go to the nth degree to achieve what they want, whether that's risking their lives or their families or their relationships, um, So I think it is completely subjective based on you and what your values are and your your morals as a person. Mm. And it's easy to judge people's uh, choices based off
0: your current moral position, right? So like if someone's willing to sacrifice more than you, someone, you know, somebody with your particular mindset might go, that's too much. But we understand that like, well, no, everybody has different values and is willing to pull on strings a little bit more.
1: Yeah, the biggest thing for me in these kinds of conversations is the question of whether or not that person's tried to have a little bit of an internal dialogue with themselves around, like, what it truly means to make the decisions they're making. Like, I'm more interested in the why than I am in the actual action.
0: Yeah, like, have you thought about the costs?
1: Yeah, so, like, you mentioned, like, young guy, extremely gifted, has turned pro in bodybuilding and has the opportunity now to make this a living, you know? is he willing to sacrifice a girlfriend? And somebody might, no, you should never sacrifice a relationship. And he might be like, well, actually, don't care, you know. Yeah. And uh, although it may sound harsh that he chose bodybuilding over a, you know, a partner, I'm more of the opinion that it's about, like, what is the conversation you've had before you've made that decision that that is okay for you to do yeah. and then whether or not it's had sound reasoning and some people and don't
0: like prioritize relationships as much as other people
1: like yeah you know. yeah but the problem the problem we have i think was when it goes too far is when the individual puts their head in the sand and they lose a relationship because of a prep yeah without knowing that it's really happened or not consciously had that conversation or
0: gaslighting themselves no they left because they're a bitch not because yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah mm. Um, so I'm more interested in the, that that internal dialogue than I am anything else. Because I agree with you, Holly, I don't think it's subjective, it's very hard.
2: Yeah, and also like we, unlike, you know, fitness and health, bodybuilding is not conducive to longevity. Um, so it's not something that everyone's going to be in for the long run. So maybe someone like you said, who's willing to sacrifice having a relationship right now, maybe he knows that in five years time, he will have retired from bodybuilding and he can wor- worry about it then um, because you know there is a finite time limit you have on bodybuilding. Though um, yeah. so I think a lot of people think of it in that way as well. Well, I would probably think about people who identify as
0: bodybuilders in two different camps there's competitive bodybuilders who definitely sacrifice some of their health for their goals. And then there's people who practice the sport of building muscle or building their body yeah. that yeah. don't Recreation. actually compete yeah, and I would consider myself in that camp, and I think if anything, my pursuits are adding to my physiological health, uh, because you know I'm maintaining my muscle mass as I get older, I'm maintaining my strength, I'm exercise is really healthy for the body. and in order to maintain a body composition i'm I am happy with, I am keeping my calories under control and and my weight, and I'm eating fruits and vegetables to manage my hunger and and make doing that easier. So, so
1: do you think one or the other? uh is okay to sacrifice more for them like does being the competitor open yourself to being okay to sacrifice more because of the competitive component of it or do you think that you could be you could sacrifice just as much by living the lifestyle without doing the competing
0: i don't think you need to sacrifice very much to just be a recreational bodybuilder because the goal isn't as extreme Mm. Like you're just going to the gym three to five times a week. You're eating relatively calorie controlled, quote unquote, healthy meals.
1: Like- yeah, If they take more of the flexible approach that Holly's spoken about on this podcast. Oh, okay. Then if they dove in on the bodybuilding lifestyle, like, you know, I eat my six meals. I eat them at this time. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. I train there, this are, session. there are
2: like non-competitors who are very obsessive with their structure and routine and they, they live like that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So my question is: is, the, is it okay for them to sacrifice just as much, right? Okay. Despite not being competitive.
0: In my subjective opinion, I think that I can understand or think it's justifiable the sacrifices that competitive bodybuilders make, because the end goal is quite extreme. But if you're just like trying to look good naked and you're sacrificing your entire life, I personally objectively think that's too far.
1: Mm. Mm. What do you think, Holly? I've got it. I've got an opinion that's going kind to of split three ways.
0: Okay.
2: What, like, it, like, are you saying, like, you you think there is an objective, objective way to assess whether something is too far?
1: Not so much that there's an objective way to assess it, but whether or not, like, if you're a, so let's just the two can't got you know, a competitive bodybuilder and a lifestyle bodybuilder. Okay. So let's, it should a lifestyle bodybuilder be willing to sacrifice just as much as a competitive bodybuilder to achieve like, it?
2: Yeah, I would say no, but then again, it depends on that person and their what they value as success. Because if they are a recreational bodybuilder, but they go to a gym that's surrounded by competitors, then their perception of what success is, is going to be different than someone who just works nine to five and goes to a commercial gym with other people who are you know, just normal general population.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to split them into three and say that we have competitive bodybuilders, those who compete, recreational or lifestyle. And then I'm going to say, like uh, I'll call them professional bodybuilders. Okay. In that
0: people who make people their who income. live the
1: lifestyle but make an income from what they do.
0: Okay. Yeah. I would say that the level of sacrifice that can be justified would only go up as we go up the ranks from recreational to competitive to then professional.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think the sacrifice that recreational believe is necessary is often misappropriated. And they do run the risk, like you said, Holly, is if they're in a gym surrounded by people that are either professional and or competitive, competitive, is that they think that's what's necessary for them to live their life. Mm. But rather they can be more like what we've actually spoken about on this podcast. Like they can have the framework nailed. They can just have some flexibility in that. But then Mm. the, the person who's seeking the professional outcome may need to sacrifice a little bit for a while in order to get that income flowing and also make something for themselves. And then the competitive obviously has like time-specific sacrifice.
0: Mm. Um,
1: And And then if it's like extra, extra professional, like a little legitimately pro, then maybe you might be willing to sacrifice more for a short period of time. Yeah. And I would be okay with that so long as the person knows what they're dealing
2: with. Yeah, as long as they're aware of what they're doing and why and the potential consequences and they're willing to to accept that.
1: Mm. Mm.
2: I just think too many people
0: like... uh, recreational bodybuilders, is that what we're calling them, think that the key to happiness is having the perfect body.
1: Yeah. And they
0: sacrifice everything in the pursuit of what they believe to be the perfect body. And we know that, like, happiness isn't a state. It's not like when I get the house or I get the body or I get the thing. It's like, firstly, I don't think happiness should be the pursuit at all. It should be a fulfilling life and, like, exercise and health would be part of that. When people do end up reaching a goal even an extreme goal they might be really happy for a short period of time because they're so proud of everything they did and blah 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 but ask check in in a week and see how they're doing mm. and they're probably no longer a 10 on the happiness scale they're probably yeah. like your regular seven again and
1: yeah. they're
0: looking at the next goal like well I could be even leaner again I yeah. I could get even more Instagram likes I could you know there's yeah. always something else so there's nothing
2: wrong with having a physique goal but just don't hang everything on it Yeah, yeah yeah. just because it's a moving goal post like once you get to your initial goal you're going to look beyond that and say what's next what's next what's next and you're really never going to be fully satisfied with how you look then because it's just it's just going to keep getting more and more extreme I think that attitude is how we got to space
0: you know like we used to live in caves <laughs> and it was amazing when when we found out we could control fire and then what's next and what's next like now we're in space
1: what is going? it be is be kind, kind
0: of like
2: an inherent Trait of humans to always look for more and progression.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm. which is why I think having gratitude for what we are is so important. And the closest I think uh, we should be getting to a happy state is not wanting what we don't have, but wanting what we do have. Like being grateful mm. for mm. what's in our life now. Like I want the morning sun. I want my nice coffee. Like I want to have good conversations with Dean. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't progress, but also being grateful for for what exists. Yeah. And yeah, happy, happiness is not a bikini body.
1: Yeah, and also if yeah. you're grateful for what exists and will likely not disappear, mm. e.g., the sun, the ability to eat food, the ability to have relationships, you're setting yourself up for long-term success as opposed to being happy due to materialistic uh, gain. Right, the things that can be taken away can cause. Problems. Or a transient body. Yeah, mm. yeah, or a transient yeah. Body. Yeah. 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 Hot I topic. See.
0: Hot to topic. Hot to topic. That's <laughs> to to sure sure that. topic. <laughs> yeah I said to Dean I want to find the the music for Hot Potato but without the lyrics and I'll like really poorly sing Heart to Top over the top of it Mm. Um, I wonder if
2: there's been a karaoke rendition before I'm sure there has been it's
0: gotta be maybe watch out on the next episode after you for Hot to Topic music it might be I look forward to it (laughs) (laughs) we'll see if I win the debate I might even get myself a whole soundboard after like
1: like you could probably actually download a soundboard on your (laughs) iPad yeah there'd be an app for it oh
0: I'm gonna look or I'm gonna tell the assistant to look because I don't do (laughs) Uh, (laughs) anyways Polly we finish every episode with with a would you rather okay I don't plan them in advance so <laughs> let's see what happens, unless you've got one for Holly.
1: No, often when I try and go off cuff, it doesn't. His
2: would-you-rathers don't
0: even make sense. when
2: you- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't think off the cuff. Like, I just can't. I'm not like a spontaneous person. I need to be prepared. So what I would come up with would probably be shite as well. But- okay. Yeah. All right,
0: I've got two. One of them has to do with lifestyle sacrifices. The other one has to do with okay. poo. Which would
2: you prefer? Okay. Oh, God. You picked. Surprise me. Dang.
0: Poo or lifestyle? lifestyle okay would you rather have to live your comp prep life for 80 percent of the year or
1: so 10 months
0: for 10 months of the year you live in comp prep restrictions mm-hmm. or live the life that you live now but never really get in like the crispest you like your best possible uh
2: stage body you always think oh, i could have been a little bit more conditioned No, I'd 100% go for 80% of the year dieting. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. I like the thought of getting on stage, not looking my best every single time. Like it would absolutely destroy me. It would drive me crazy. So no, never. I didn't I'm think happy. you were gonna go that way. I didn't think no, that happily, was. happily. Because the thing is, like, although I love my off-seasons, my my flexibility there, I really thrive productively off being in a deficit and dieting. It gives me like a lot of mental clarity, especially for the initial few weeks of dieting. So at the moment I feel way more productive than I ever felt when I was in off-season. Um, so I'd much rather be like this 80% of the time. I couldn't imagine like always missing the mark every single time. It would just drive me mad. Okay.
1: I'd never compete. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you would choose to be like
0: comp prep strict eighty percent of the year as well. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. you would. Dean doesn't really oh. mind prepping; it doesn't really ruin him like everyone's other people.
1: No, no, no. I'm like, I have a, a genuine fear of not making it on stage. Yeah, it's, every it's time until I've gotten off it, and I look back and I went, I, no, think I, I did it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know like
0: hey you won the england title did it's right. like
1: literally though it's it's up until the week and then it's the day and then it's the two that three day and then i'm like fuck we've still at two more days like this could just go yeah. i could just completely implode you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh i love it Yeah.
0: <laughs> well um thank you for coming on the podcast holly it was a good discussion wasn't it yeah i
1: sound yeah, surprised having
0: me it. yeah yeah it was
2: a very interesting discussion. It was. it was uh where
1: can people find you should they wish to I mean we kind of already put it all down on the on the share but
2: Yeah, we already discussed it. But yeah, anyway, if you want to follow me on Instagram or at Holly Davidge, uh, you can find me on the Physique Collective member site uh, where I am, as I said, the head of Exercise Mechanics, but I also give a lot of other information on, as I said, uh, traveling and uh, training and everything like that. Um, I also have my own podcast, which is Elevate HD, which you can find on Apple, Spotify and YouTube. Um, I'm also an online coach. So if you are interested in coaching, then you can just drop me a message on Instagram and I'd be happy to have a chat. Amazing. Too easy. Until next Mm. time, guys. Thank you.